From the advertising media capital of the world, New Milford, Connecticut, wherever that is. This is Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson, a bi-weekly-ish podcast about all things automotive marketing. Now, here's your host, Matt Wilson. I tell you, it's almost been like bi-daily-ish. Is that even a thing? Every other day. When you're in quarantine and you're home and you have a little piece of handy-dandy equipment and maybe you got a little more time than you used to have because you're not traveling, you can put these things out all the time. So that's what I'm doing. I like it. Welcome to Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson. Joining me today is the Managing Director at Silverback Advertising, which happens to be where I work. Shane Stender is with me. What's up, Shane? Hello, Matt. How's it going today? Awesome. Welcome to the podcast again. This is this your second time, third time, second time. I think this might be the third, third time. Yeah. Do, wow, I, do I get you. to call myself a regular at this point? Yeah, it's like SNL. When you host five times, you get the jacket. That's right. like what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to like send you a T-shirt or something. Third time. That's right. Yes, uh, third time's a charm. I wanted to have you on today because, um, you know, we've been talking a lot internally at Silverback about sort of best practices or uh, you know, marketing during a crisis. A lot of people are calling it. Um, and I thought that going through a couple of things might be handy to some people who are still going through the phase of, because listen, everyone's figuring this out at a different speed based on uh, a couple of factors, which is, you know, our customers still shopping or buying in your market. What is your state government doing? What are the rules being handed down uh, by the government? What is your OEM doing? So everyone's sort of in different stages of how to handle this, right? I feel like some dealers are like, I don't know what Completely. to do. And some dealers are like, oh my God, it's over. It's the end of the world. And some dealers are at the, uh, it's getting back to normal soon sort of mode. It's all over the spectrum. So some of these might yeah. not apply to everybody, right? But some of these, I, all of these, I believe, have some kind of universal sort of, um, they all apply in some way mm -hmm. to what's going on. Correct. So I thought yeah. maybe we could talk to some dealers about it. Yeah, I think there's uh, there's some aspects that are going to apply to everybody, and there's some things that uh, that nobody is is going to say I don't need this um, or I already have that. But uh, you know, this is something that uh, hasn't come before lifetime, and so I think the biggest thing starting place. It's like there is no playbook for this. Right. Right. The man, the manufacturers are writing this playbook for the first time. The dealers are writing this playbook for the first time in a large respect, our state, federal and local governments are writing their playbooks for this for the first time. So yeah, this is uh this is definitely, you know, one big experiment, um, so to speak. And like you said, with clients all over the country, um, we are seeing various stages, you know, that are all over the board. So I, um, spectrum. Yeah, I got my TV on here in my, in my office during the day and I'm seeing all kinds of commercials and uh, you, know, you and I often share via text or via Slack or whatever, kind of what we see going on in media and our markets. I'm on the East coast or on the West coast. You know, we were talking yesterday about somebody in your market who has, a, it's not an auto dealership. It's a, it's a outside of the auto realm, but has a completely kind of tone depth tone deaf type message out there right now. Yes. And the first thing I wanted to talk about uh, when we're talking about marketing during a crisis was kind of your messaging, right? Is, yep. um, you know, 
you want your messaging, you know, this happens during any kind of crisis, whether it's, you know, a, a, a terrorist attack or a pandemic or something that is causing the people to shift their mindset from the normal mindset to this crisis. You got to adjust your messaging accordingly. And I, and I, was, I saw a commercial uh, the other day on TV that you could watch anytime. It had no, you know, it was asking you, it was a, a restaurant. It was a, a commercial for a Mexican restaurant that was talking about, um, you know, uh, come on down, make a reservation. And I'm like, no, it's a, first of all, no one, there's no restaurants open where I am right now. <laughs> like you can't go to a restaurant. So to me, they're paying to have that spot run on TV. That is a tone deaf message. Like, like that message yep. should either be, that campaign should be paused or they need to change what they're talking about. You know, maybe they're doing a drive, you know, a, a delivery or curbside pickup or whatever, but your messaging can't be tone deaf during a crisis, right? Oh, completely. Um, you, you don't want to go too far on either end of the spectrum. I, I don't think you want to find that nice middle ground where you're showing empathy to the current situation um, and also to what you're, business can uh, practically do right now, right? I mean, a lot of this is, you know, based off of state guidelines and rules that are coming down from the federal and the state governments. So if your business is allowed to be open, then you're different from somebody else whose business is allowed to be closed and your message is going to be different uh, in that respect. But yeah, you can't be, you can't be tone deaf to the, to the situation. Um, I think empathy is good, but uh, I've also seen uh, people overdoing it on the empathy, mm -hmm. you know, um, and we're already seeing some national and international studies from places like Kantar and Comscore um, showing normal ads or what we would consider normal ads. And uh, they're not getting a negative reaction, you know, from consumers. So I don't think that, you know, dealers or even to that matter, restaurants or video uh, places need to uh need to really go so far that they're just pandering to that right. to that empathy you can you over, know, letting you the can audience do it yeah letting letting the audience know what uh what you're doing during this situation i think is the most important thing let you know letting the audience know how they can continue to do business with you mm -hmm. you know and then what that looks like you know what you're capable of doing if you're in a state where you can do vehicle delivery and you can take the the vehicle out and close a sale and and advertise touchless you know home delivery you know that's great there's some states that you know can't advertise that stuff and there's some states where you know you're not uh, open at all right so it, it's really about i think finding you know what it is that you can still do and how do you deliver that? How do you adjust your message to tell customers what you can still do? And then on top of that, um, letting those customers you know how, how they can reach you and how they can communicate you with you and how they can get in touch with you, you know, under this new umbrella and uh, this new normal that we've got right now. You know, I think kind of just backing up to kind of, we had put the message part first, but backing up to just uh, going back to just staying on, doing some kind of advertising, doing, putting something out there as opposed to just kind of shutting it all down and hoping for the best. I know we talk a, a lot internally and, you know, you see a lot of, I talk to a lot of uh, business owners about, um, you know, where do you want to be? Maybe adjusting places you want to be based on consumers' habits right now, right? So I, I read a study um, 
on, I think it was Nielsen maybe, where it was about radio. It was a study about radio talking about how uh, in-home listening is up, right? And in-car listening is down, which seems pretty obvious to me. Obviously, a lot of people aren't commuting anymore and they're, and they're at home. So they're not exactly. listening in their car anymore. Maybe they're listening online or through an app or however they listen, however they're listening to radio. So, uh, you know, keeping in mind that people are probably spending more time on social media and watching more television and OTT and that kind of stuff. Those are places that maybe you'd want to focus on um, more than you had in the past based on consumers' habits or shoppers' habits. Definitely. You definitely want to consider reassuring customers, right? And when people see you, um, they get reassured. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of solid mathematical reasons to continue advertising too. And one is that a lot of competition is going to take that approach of, you know, save cash now and I'm going to completely pull out of the market. Well, if your competition is completely pulling out of the market, that means that you have a better opportunity to get more market share and get more voice, you know, with that consumer. So as consumers are going through this, they're still researching, they're still looking, they still have needs. Um, they still have automotive transportation needs that are going to come up maybe in a month from now, maybe in six months from now. And if you have a chance right now to gain more of their attention and grow your, your impression share with them, I think that uh, benefits you twofold down the line. But look, there's, there's really three things, you know, right? Um, there's things that you're going to want to consider stop doing. Um, and you know, that's going to be all businesses, no matter what sector you're in, there are, there are some things that you're going to want to look at and go, yeah, now's the best time, you know, to put my money and my resources there. Um, then there's going to be strategies that you want to start doing some things that you haven't done before that you can really take advantage of now, you know, um, maybe you haven't done OTT before, and now you have an opportunity where, Let's use the states uh, where you can sell a car, uh, like in Washington here, where you can sell a car, but only if it's to an essential worker, right? So if you haven't done OTT in the past, what better time to start right now when you can leverage a platform with audio, video, get more impression share, and target specific homes of people who have those jobs, right? Something you may not have done in the past, um, that definitely right now can be an advantage to you, you know, and then the third thing, you know, there's going to be places where you want to double down. Um, and those are going to be those opportunities, you know, maybe you're not normally into traditional media as a part of your plan, but if the opportunity comes and you have an opportunity to get a, a traditional media buy that offers 200% value versus the actual cost of the media, you, you got to look at that and you got to consider, you know, the, the audience that you're going to be able to put your brand in front of um, and the value that you're going to be able to get out of that. You know, one of the things um, that, you know, I've been thinking about is we're talking to a lot of dealers about, you know, changing the message, but really it starts first with the process. You can't just come out and say, okay, we can't, you could buy, you know, come in and we'll give you the car to test drive without going, we won't go with you. We can deliver the car. You can purchase the car online, do it all, come to our website, talk to us, buy a car. But then if you can't actually execute that or have that process in how, you can't just put the message out there and then when someone comes to you because of that message, be like, oh man, we better try to figure that out. Like the process has to come first, right? The dealer has to be able to 
execute. Oh, yeah. it's, it's, not, it's not enough to just say it, say you can do it. You got to be able to do it. Yeah, we, uh, I know, and you and I talk about that quite a bit, you know, in, uh, in marketing, very easy as, as a marketer, as an advertiser to say something, but business actually execute what you're saying. Right. And that's extremely important. Um, because business, you know, the last thing you want to do is say that you're able to do something, not pull it off. And then now, you know, you're going to have a hundred people out there talking about on social media, how you failed, you know, at what you said you could do. Um, so, you know, all businesses, you know, starting with that messaging, you know, I didn't, they're looking for solutions, right? What solution can I provide the customer for the situation that they're in? But to your point, yes, you've got to have the processes in place, you know, to be able to market before you market those solutions um, to customers. Some of them are simple and some of them are the dealers are already set up for, you know, letting customers know that they can refinance and get a lower interest rate, right? Lots of manufacturers right now have 0% for 72 months, you know, 0% for 84 months, which has never been done before. Those types of programs are going to allow consumers to come in and get a lower interest rate and possibly get a newer vehicle, you know, with a lower payment. All good things for the consumer, all good things for the dealer, um, but how they message that and how they present that has to be presented as a solution for the customer. You know, I think, you know, shouting from the rooftops, sale, 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 come in now, uh, is obviously not something that's uh, gonna be very effective right now. But changing your message to be a little bit empathetic and say, hey, we know that there's something crazy going on out there. We might be able to lower your interest rate. We've got these great programs that it can help you. Or we've got special programs for healthcare workers. I, I saw a manufacturer last night, uh, I believe it was Mazda, uh, and to their credit, you know, they've launched a, a program that in conjunction with dealers, um, they're helping to fund free oil changes for all healthcare workers and, and healthcare providers. You know, a great service for the community, for those people that, that need to get that done. Um, and those folks are working extra hard right now. So, so that's a, a great timely offer. Um, also gives the dealer, you know, some long-term people to follow up with. Um, but the dealer has to be able to pull that off. If you put that message out there and you only have one technician working right now because you've laid off everybody else, you're going to be in a heat of trouble when you get a lot of phone calls and you're not able to, you know, deliver on what you're, the message that you're putting out there. You know, too, um, you know, a lot of a lot of talk about digital retailing, right? Um, and there's varying degrees of it. There's some situations where you can start the deal online, uh, but then there's a disconnect when, like, I've seen where you start the deal online and then you go to the store and you got to kind of start over again. Like those two systems aren't connected, which doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Um, or yeah. you can start the deal on online, but you can't finish it online. It's really just a fancy lead generating tool. You know, yeah. at what point can a dealer or should a dealer, do you think, say you can buy a, you know, our show, cause I'm seeing a lot of dealers, I'm seeing a lot of dealers show some kind of graphic that says our, you know, our showroom is closed, but you can, you know, we can still, you can still buy a car kind of thing, which I like. It makes it clear and concise. Like you can't come in, but you can buy your car online and make an appointment to come pick it up. And then you'll right. be able to experience social distancing and do all that stuff in house. I think it's got to be really kind of clear cut for the customer. But at what point, you know, does a dealer make the decision, do you think, to say like, okay, 
you know, you can buy, like you can go all the way and buy the car and get the car and walk out of here tomorrow with a car or bring you a car as opposed to like, you can still shop online and then kind of leaves the rest up to, you know, like with an ellipsis at the end, it doesn't really make it clear what you can do towards the end. How does a dealer decide yeah. like, you know, how to market that? It's confusing. I, I, I think right now, unfortunately, a lot of dealers who didn't have a digital retailing tool in place, like you said, are in the market now and they're putting those in place and the cart is definitely getting put before the horse. Yes. Like, you know, it's, I got to put this in place because A, everyone's doing it. B, it's the only way that, uh, you know, the only message that I might have that kind of is with the fact I'll have to stay home right now. So I need something, give it to me now. I'll sign up. And then obviously your vendors are out there trying to take advantage of that offering free 30 days, free 60 days. So, so you get all dealers signing up for something, putting it in their marketing message. And then just like we were talking about a minute ago, they haven't really derived the process for it, right? You haven't figured out how are my people and who in my department is going to answer these things? How far in the process do I want the consumer to be able to go? Do I want them to be able to do the finance products? You know, if so, I need a tool that allows them to do that. You know, um, can they sign the paperwork electronically in my state? Um, you know, is that allowed? You know, um, am I allowed to take the paper to them, you know, in my state? Or do they still have to come to the dealership? You know, there's a, there are some nuances that dealers should really be thinking about when they consider what is my digital retail strategy going to be. And unfortunately, just... With the situation that we're, you know, we're seeing a lot of dealers just go to market as quick as possible. And so some of those things aren't necessarily getting right. getting thought about as we would like them to, to get planned out. Um, so this time period that dealers have where, you know, sales aren't what, you know, sales are down 50%, sales are down 80%. Um, they do have staff, you know stores and the staff they have there definitely has a little bit more time to figure these things out. Mm -hmm. So I'm optimistic that, you know, on the, on the more normalized side of this, after we get to the new normal speak, that dealers are going to have taken the time to figure out some of these processes. Like they had to put the cart before the horse to get the message out there, but now they've got four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, where most places are still going to be in shelter in place rules and they're going to have a little bit of time to figure out what's this communication actually look like in my store, how, what's the process and the workflow, you know, and, you know, how to not confuse consumers. Uh, I think to your point, you know, you mentioned it, uh, I think can be the biggest downside to advertising, you know, buy online is if that customer has to come in and do the same thing twice. Right. So if you're able to do everything and then just come in and finish, that's a lot different than, having to go through the credit app and do all that stuff all over again, you know, once you're in the dealership. So um, some things like that are, are going to be key for the dealers to keep customers happy um, because this definitely has the opportunity to jumpstart the slow process that automotive has had in buying online. Will it become 50% yeah. of the sales, you know, as soon as this is over? No, I don't, I don't think so. Um, but is it going to have a higher adoption rate? Yes, we're already seeing a higher adoption rate. We're seeing dealers that never picked up a car for service. They're now picking up cars, you know, for service, you know, and dealers are delivering cars or taking cars to customers for test drive. So we're already seeing things being done that dealers 
really tried to stay away from doing. And, uh, and now this is that time period where they've got four, maybe eight weeks to really figure out how their process is going to work and how they can continue this afterwards. You know? yeah. So I think this is an opportunity for them to pick up sales. Yeah. I was watching to, uh, watching uh, Governor Cuomo of New York this morning on CNN, and he, they were talking about extending the stay-at-home order till May 20th or whatever they are doing here in the, in the Northeast. And I thought to myself, oh, that's interesting because now it gives them, you know, another four weeks to figure out how they're going to roll out the, you know, in New York, we call it, they call it the unpause plan so they can figure out how to roll that out. And it's the same thing with dealers. Okay. Now you have a chance to think about, because, you know, we're not going to get political, but if this kind of thing happens again, now we know, yeah. now we know, let's plan for it. So we're not all in the same situation where we're scrambling to figure it out as it's going on and losing time. Let's plan for it now. Let's get it. Let's get it rolled out. Yeah. Let's get everybody on board. And like you said, and uh, I'm working on putting together a podcast on this topic over the next week or so with a bunch of experts weighing in. Is this going to be 100% the way people buy cars going forward? I don't think so. Is it going to be 50%? I don't think you think so either, and I don't. Mm. But is it going to be part of it? Is it going to be part of the strategy going forward? Yeah, I think it is. I don't know what percentage of the strategy it's going to be. Me, personally, I'm buying a $50,000 car. I'd like to go in and see it and meet the guy, and I don't want to shake his hand. Calm down on that. But, um, <laughs> you know, I'd like to, I'm not buying a house without taking a look at it for a little while. So this is the second yeah. largest purchase for most people. Um you know, do, will people buy that way? Yeah, I think so. But is it going to be the way to get it done? I don't see. I don't know. But I'm interested in another podcast. I'm going to talk to a bunch of like actual dealers and get their opinions on it. I got a couple of great interviews lined up for that. And I'm interested to see what some people who are actually, you know, on the front line, what they think about that. But back to talking about digital retailing, you're right. You know, I know General Motors has a shop click drive. Um, uh deal in place that their dealers follow. Um, but a lot of dealers are kind of like, eh, I don't want it. I don't want to, it's, too, I don't want to be involved in that, in that online shopping. I don't want to have that level of transparency. I don't want, I want people to have to come in and hear it from my guy and not see it online. And that is attitude is probably hurting right now for some of those guys. I think. Yeah. I think, I think the dealers that sort of had that mentality before this uh, are definitely, you know, some of the ones that are, that are hurting the most or, or at the most risk of, of hurting the most. And anything, you know, whether to whatever level of adoption the buying online has uh, that, that will be significant, but what's going to be even more significant is dealers getting used to, negotiating with individuals and beginning the sales process without having the person in the showroom. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, especially as we come out of this, I think we can pretty much see that the States aren't going to just open up and say, Hey, everything's back to normal, Matt. Let's <laughs> yeah. go shopping. Not gonna right? happen. That's, that's <laughs> not going to happen. You know, there, there's going to be uh, a couple of stages and, uh, and things are going to slowly move, you know, back in place. And then even once we get to, uh, to where everything is back open, there's going to be some new norms, you know, set with this. And, uh, and one of those new norms in the dealer process that I really hope to see, and I'm seeing some clients really adapting to this pretty well is they have an opportunity to relook at their business models and, you know, develop out the internet departments and the BDCs, you know, a little bit better and become less focused on, I need to see the person 
in my showroom in order to sell them a car. Mm-hmm. Um, and developing those processes through this sort of weird time period is going to make them, you know, better business models at the end of the day. Um, you know, in speaking with one client who has, you know, had to go through, you know, laying off some staff, um, reorganizing and able to, but still able to sell cars and still able to sell vehicles under their state's plan. Um, they've reorganized and they were like that. They were a, a place where their whole goal when someone submitted a lead was to get them into the showroom, you know, come into the showroom so we can talk through things and explain things to you. And so reteaching and retooling and they've changed their hours um, and they're not off pace from where they were that far that before going into this. Um, and I think that's a real opportunity coming out of it because now they're going to have new processes potentially better work hours for their employees um, as opposed to being in the showroom till nine o'clock, you know, at night, um, which then helps you attract, you know, better employees and and other types of employees that uh, would typically shy away from, you know, crazy retail hours. Mm -hmm. So I I think there's a a lot of great impacts that can come from the dealers changing that part of their process right now, whether they sell one car online or they sell all their cars online, that idea of, talking and negotiating to that customer via phone, text, and the web is, uh, is really where it's got to be. And their website tools, um, again, whether they buy that car online or not, a lot of these website tools give them some great opportunities to keep the customer engaged on their website, you know, and have those conversations live with customers while they're on the site, as opposed to the old lead forms and, you know, comes into the CRM and then somebody's calling you back an hour later. Um, so I think more and more of those tools that uh, allow dealers to talk live with customers is, uh, is going to benefit, benefit them afterwards. Yeah. That's interesting. Like a, um, I know out on the market, you know, there's all kinds of chat out there, right? There's managed chat where the chat company manages it for you. And then there's a version where you can do it all on your own. And then there's kind of a hybrid version. I know at some of my stores in the past, we uh, used to use a um, sort of a hybrid version, right? So we could like log, I can't remember what vendor it was. You know, there's Gubagoo and contacted once. I mean, there's a million of them out there. And I can't remember which specific vendor it was, but we could log on and between the hours of, you know, 8.45 a.m. and 5.45 p.m., when there was two people in our BDC, we would answer the chats. But if we didn't answer them in seven or eight seconds, the company would answer them. And then off hours, the company would answer them. And I always thought, ignoring the fact of whether you have the right process in place or the right people or the internal part of it, that it's more beneficial for someone that works for the company to be answering the chat than somebody in Alabama answering a chat for a customer in Washington state. Right. Right. I think it's better to have someone in the dealership do it Um, because they can answer more questions. They can get answers directly from a sales manager or a person that's in the same building or sitting near them or what have you. Um, But I feel like that on the dealer level, sometimes that gets, treated like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We'll take care of it. But how important do we know that is now, as opposed to not knowing three months ago, how much of an important part of your business that type of thing is than it used to be. Definitely. And I think that type of communication is, is going to get more focus, you know, from dealers as they come out of this. Right. Uh, I mean, because, you know, in general, you know, one of the one of the best practices that we're talking about and talking about clients uh, with a lot 
is, you know, taking care of your website and the people that are on your website right now, the people that are actively researching, actively, you know, investigating, you know, and then your current customer base, right? I mean, those are two big kind of low funnel places where dealers can kind of get through this period um, by just really working with the people that are on their site and those, the chat programs and, and the texting tools and, and all those tools kind of allow them to do that, allow them to do that in real time, just add value um, for getting those people in the showroom, whether that may be, you know, three weeks from now or whether it may be two months from now, but you know, you're keeping, you know, you're building that list uh, of people that are interested and people that are talking to you and kind of building that, that bank of people, I think that, is going to be there when you are, when the business is ready to come back, you know, when, yeah. when business is ready to open up and the States say, Hey, you can start to sell a little bit normal. You know, you're not limited to one employee in the, in the, in the <laughs> showroom, you know, now you can actually, you know, say, Hey, all right, we've got this bank of people that we've been cultivating. We've been talking to them online. You know, we've been bringing these people through the process and now we're actually able to, you know, sell them a car. And that's going to bode that's going to bode for dealers on seeing the light at the end of the tunnel with this thing. I want to go back to at the beginning we were talking about, you know, can you overdo the empathy, right? So, I don't know about you, but I'm getting, you know, emails from every company I have ever done business with ever yeah. <laughs> about what they're doing for, you know, COVID. Like I get it, like the airlines isn't it crazy? Isn't it, isn't it great how the guy you buy jeans from is sending yeah. you an email saying, you know, like what he's doing to, to help with the COVID? Yeah. I bought a gift, I bought a gift certificate from some like third party Ford website, like five years ago for my brother-in-law, who's like a Mustang nut. You know, I bought one gift certificate from them five years ago and I'm getting like three emails a week about what they're doing for people during COVID. And I'm like, really, do I need to be getting this many? I haven't been back to you in five years. Um, but so the question is, is how much is too much too? like how you can go too far by, you know, turning your empathy into just pandering, uh, you know, the yeah. news, the news, the news stations on TV who are like, we are here for you. It's like, all right, yeah, just give me the news. Great. I'm really happy. But how far is too far and how much is too much? Do you think? I think right now we're entering that this is too much, uh, yeah. especially for the we're here, you know, we're here for you. Um, and yes, like you, I think I've seen, uh, those emails from every retailer that ever bought, you know, <laughs> something from, um, and most of them don't actually say what they're doing. Right. Yeah. It's just, Hey, we're here for you. Like, yeah, you know, right. we like, I believe in you. <laughs> <laughs> we, and, know, uh, we know, we know this I, is going I, on. I, I think we've definitely reached the point where we're beyond that. And I think businesses should be focusing on, you know, what solutions they can provide um, in an empathetic way, yeah. right? So again, drop the wacky, waveable, inflatable arm guy, you know, Wacky, from, waveable, from inflatable ad. arm flailing tube man. Oh, there you go. That's the right Perfect. way to say it from Family Guy, yes. <laughs> um, so, you know, you drop that and, you know, but you can still give that same message of, of you know, what you're here to do to help them, you know? So to me, just saying, hey, we're here to help isn't enough. Um, I think we're beyond um, letting people know, hey, we're cleaning our showrooms and we're sanitizing things and we're taking all the precautionary measures. Uh, I think all of that has been said. 
Uh, I'm pretty sure just about every you know business, every car dealer has said that to their CRM at this point. Um, just about every dealer, you know, is utilizing best practice of posting that you know on their website, um, someplace that's very visible, you know, for people to see, as well as the CRM emails that they're sending out. So now, to me, it it gets past the generic of we're here to help and like what are we here to do yeah and to me that's that's the next phase of of empathy like this is what i can do for you you know if you're struggling with your payments if your payment's too high i can help you refinance you know and get into another vehicle and an appropriate payment um i can offer you you know a lower interest rate you know if you're paying two three four five percent interest rate we have 0%, you know, that we can offer you, you know, we can take that. um, If your vehicle is not running right, you know, we can get you into better transportation and newer transportation. So really focusing on what you can do and offering those solutions to people, I think is the next phase of being empathetic and still getting business done. I think you're right. And I think, I think it's good to be specific. I think if you're just looking at some of the talking about the emails we're talking about, there was a vagueness to like, we're here for you. We're here to help. But that was it. Like, it's just like acknowledging the situation. Like I'm looking at a, um, there's a dealer group in upstate New York, and I'm actually going to be interviewing the marketing director for this group uh, coming up in a couple days. It's West Her Automotive Group, and they're way upstate, up on the Canadian border, uh, like Buffalo, Rochester. And their message on their group site is basically here's our sales update and here's our service update. And it just lays it out. Online sales available, in-store delivery by appointment only, in accordance with Governor Cuomo's executive order. Here are the things that we're doing. Contact us to get started. And then it gives you the chance to start buying your car online or give them a call. So here's what you can do and here are your two options. And then same thing with yep. service. Service is open, service is essential. You know, here's the three things you could do with service. Because it's easy to say we're here for you or you can buy a car online. But if it leaves the consumer kind of questioning, like, okay, well, like, now what do I do? Or can I go there? Or do I fill this out? Like, laying out the details, um, which isn't always the area of expertise of our industry, I think can be helpful in helping drive a customer down that path now when there's so much left to just kind of figure out on your own. I think having the detail and mapping out the way they can get to where they want to go is important. Yep. Which is hard to do, though. It's also hard to do because things are changing fast. So I say that, but I don't have to do that. Like, I get it. The rule today is different than the rule in three weeks, which is different than what you're going to be able to do a month and a half from now. So it's it's easy to say, but I get the execution of that is difficult. Even from the agency side, you know, the dealer tells the agency, here's what we're doing now. All of a sudden, we're, you know, redoing everything we did three weeks ago. That's the nature of the business right now. But I know it's not easy. That, that definitely is the nature of the business right now. And you've got uh, a lot of agencies and dealer partners, you know, that are scrambling and, and working extra hard on a lot of little things, you know, mm-hmm. things that you wouldn't normally update, you know, on a frequent basis to your point are, are now being updated. It seems like, you know, multiple times a week, you know, as, as statuses change and, and as press conferences are held and, and yeah. new rules come out. You know, the, the next part that I think uh, all dealers are, are grappling with is, you know, that's a great example that you presented there of how that dealer put it very straightforward. You know, this is what we can do for you, right? Um, and in addition to that, you know, what are the offers that are going to help the customer? You know, um, a lot of brands have come out with 
uh, special offers for essential healthcare workers, you know, whether it be a free oil change or an extra rebate or an incentive, letting people know about all those things that can help them is a fundamental of marketing, right? I mean, yeah. a fundamental of marketing is let people know, you know, what you can provide to them, you know, that maybe somebody else can't or, or do better. And so now a dealer needs to decide how do I go to market and let people know about those things. I've got them on my website. I've updated my Google, my business. You're sort of taking care of your house, but now you, you still want to do core activities and let people know, you know, and actively put in front of people what you can do um, because people are shopping out there. And we're kind of in a great time from an advertising standpoint because so much of the tactics and the media that is used is really heavily targeted and heavily focused and using first party mm -hmm. data, using third party data like Oracle and Experian and Viato and, you know, all those different, you know, poll sources and urban science sources, you know, you're really able to target down to the household level of people who are still shopping. Yeah. Right. So you, you're no longer stuck with, well, you know, I, I don't want to advertise because, you know, I'm, I'm just broadcasting, I'm shotgunning my message out there and a lot of people aren't in market. Correct. A lot of people aren't in market, but a lot of people are, and you can still selectively pick and choose the tactics that fit, you know, your budget and go after those people who still are in market and let them know how you can solve their problem. You know, they are looking for a car for whatever reason, you can let them know you are open and you can deliver the vehicle to them and you have extra rebates or you have 0%, you know, um, you can let them know what it is that, uh, that you can offer. And then back to my original point, you know, now with so many dealers kind of hitting that panic pause button in the beginning, um, you have an opportunity to have a much higher impression share and a much better frequency and share a voice than you did two months ago. So it can cost, you can spend a lot less, you know, and get a much better share of voice, you know, that with a very targeted audience, I, I think that's a, a great way to really, for dealers to take and keep evolving this as we go through this uh, uncharted waters. For our listeners, you're in Washington and I'm in Connecticut. Are you seeing, I've been seeing Carvana commercials over the last week or so which I had never seen before. And I've actually, I started seeing, not recently, but prior to all this starting, I saw my first Carvana delivery vehicle uh, in, my, in my town, uh, delivering a used Volkswagen Jetta, I believe. White, color white. Um, and one of those nice fancy, you know, logoed uh, Carvana trucks. But have you been seeing more Carvana TV commercials? And I'm assuming that they're intentionally ramping up their advertising on television. Specifically, I was talking to a dealer in Pennsylvania where they can't sell cars right now. And yeah. he's, and he was all, he's all fired up that Carvana is, is hitting that market hard. Are you seeing that out there? Um, we've seen that Carvana has been pretty heavy out here on the West coast for a while. Mm. Um, still seeing it, you know, I'd say it's, uh, I haven't seen it grow, but, uh, we're still seeing their presence, you know, and, uh, and they haven't dropped out of the marketplace um, they're still advertising kind of with the same, you know, presence that they had before, but the, the West coast was, you know, one of their starting grounds. Right. And it's, it's definitely, you know, a little bit maybe ahead of the, the East coast as far as the presence that they've had, 
but uh, they are definitely, you know, advertising strong. Um, and, you know, whether it's automotive or, or any other industry, you know, when you look back through history, you know, you can look at any of the recessions. Um, going back to, I was reading uh, or rereading about the Harvard study from, you know, the 1940s. And, you know, pretty much since then, every recession, you know, 9-11 and the, the post-economic issues there to what we're having here, any brand, you know, that is able to stay on media and keep their message out there benefits, you know, twofold, you know, after the, uh, after the economy starts to rebound, right? And there's going to be a rebound period. And I equate it uh, right or wrong, you know, similar to the stock market. You know, if you can afford to invest when the stocks are low, you're going to reap the most reward. And uh, if, you, if you can afford to keep your advertising out there, um, you're going to reap the most reward when, uh, when things rebound. I also think too, are you giving financial advice now, by the way, is this like a new side thing you're trying to do? It, it's, I think it's going to be. Yeah. All yeah. right. Can you tell me what to invest uh, in? <laughs> a side gig. Here's some tips. Yeah. Um, you know, I was, you know, talking about, you know, thing, things being done differently. Like for instance, I bought, you know, it's getting to be spring and I needed to get, you know, like wood chips and fertilizer and grass seed and, you know, all those kind of things. And, Home Depot, I don't know if they did before, but they deliver, which is great. And if you spend more than 85 bucks, it's like $4 for delivery. So I dropped way too much money on a bunch of lawn care things. Um, and they dropped it off at my house like the next day. Well, I got thinking about, I mean, because Home Depot is open, by the way, but I'm not going to Home Depot right now. Like it's open, but it's not essential. I don't need grass seed and fertilizer. I want it, of course, so I can work on my lawn when it's finally nice. Although not today, it did snow here this morning, but um, <laughs> I'm not being overly dramatic, but it did snow a little. Um, but I would I would shop that way going forward. Like I would have to avoid, I mean, Home Depot is mobbed all the time near me. So to have uh, order what I want and have them drop it off at my house the next day is great. But I bring it up because I got this card in the mail today. I ordered some replacement. I don't know if you can see this. I know the listeners can't, but if you can, this is a $100 wine voucher from nakedwines.com. Now, I'm not really a big wine drinker, but I do like adult beverages. So this is a wine voucher where you basically buy a case of wine online and it gives you a hundred bucks off or whatever it is. Um, and I thought to myself, wow, like I don't know enough about wine to go to the liquor store and pick pick up a bunch of wine. And I'm not going to go to the liquor store right now because it's not essential. Why would I put myself in a situation where I could get COVID-19? But you know what I did today? I bought a case of wine because they sent me this card and I thought, well, if I'm, nice. I'm going to buy wine... Here's the way to do it. I'm not going to catch COVID-19. I don't have to go in the store and be embarrassed. Like, I don't know what kind of wine I like. I like white, but I don't like it to be too strong. So businesses like this, this is a great idea. And I, I'm sure they were around before this. But like, this is the kind of thing I probably, I probably would have ignored if I wasn't quarantined. Yeah. But I got it. Literally came in the mail like three hours ago. And an hour later, I have a case of wine on the way. So, yep. Things we like that uh, we're 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 pretty for, frequent users of the uh, the buy online myself, and uh, especially you know with with Amazon. Although uh, there's probably a little bit of withdrawal going on in my house because we normally have an Amazon package each day. Uh -huh. uh, it feels like, and uh, they're a little slower on the delivery with uh, with everything that's going on. So well, don't you have in your <laughs> we're, we're going through we're going through our, our Amazon withdrawal, but. I uh, I myself did uh, order the food Uber Eats. I have not uh, not oh, ever Uber done the, the ordering Uber Eats and having it delivered to the house. And uh, yeah, 
So That's trying, cool. you know, I think, I think a lot of people out there, just like you trying the wine thing, me trying the food thing. A lot of people are, are testing the waters, so to speak yeah. of the, you know, what products and services can I get online and, uh, and get delivered to me. And it was great. And a uh, person dropped it off at uh, the door and they were like, you know, rang the bell and they were back in their car before I even got to the door. So do you live in yeah, one of the markets where you, safe. you can get same day Amazon packages where you are? Like I'm I not, do, yes. You, oh, that's, that's yes. cool. It's, it's beautiful. It, you can order something out. at 10 and get it at three. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Including, including alcohol too. Oh, you so. can't be that. Oh, <laughs> We have, um, I don't know if you guys, uh, what they get, what the grocery store situation is over there, but we have Stop and Shop is big in our area, and Peapod is Stop and Shop's delivery service, right? It is so in demand right now that every morning at 7 a.m., I go to the Peapod app, and I look out six or seven days to try and secure a delivery time, and they're sold out for like two weeks. So like I can like go on now, tomorrow morning at 7.01 a.m. and try and get some groceries delivered on like May 3rd. Um, but that's the type of business that I, you know, maybe used once or twice before the pandemic. But now I'm like, oh, my God, this is the way to grocery shop. I don't have to go to the grocery store. Yeah. I'm not going to catch COVID-19. I don't have to spend an hour at the grocery store on a Sunday morning or whatever it is we go to the store. I would I would continue to shop that way after this is all over. Like, why go to the grocery store again? I'll buy my wine online, but to bring it back home, I'm not going to buy an Alfa Romeo from somebody I don't know on my computer personally. No, but you might let, uh, but you might let that guy bring the test drive to you. Yes. Yep. You're right. And you know, so I think that's, uh, you know, we're talking about people using these services and for delivery that maybe they haven't before. And, you know, that's just furthering the adoption of, of, Hey, I can get what I need online without having to go someplace. And I think one of the key tools that dealers are experimenting with in this process is that whole, Hey, we'll, we'll bring the test drive to you. Right. Because especially in the locations where consumers aren't allowed to come into the showroom, let us bring that test drive to you. I really think that's an opportunity that dealers Mm -hmm. are going to have to continue after the fact. um, Because that's a, that's a definite service. You know, if you can bring the vehicle to me while I'm at work and I can take the test drive on my lunch break, um, yeah. or you can bring it to my house, you know, on, on the weekend, um, that saves me time. Uh, that means that I don't have to bring the the family and the kids in the car and, and pack everyone down there. So, yeah. you know, just, just another way that, uh, you know, dealers are going to be able to find these added values to why buy from me. You know, I think a lot of that too, sometimes is born out of necessity as well. Like my wife's car needs an oil change, had a flat tire. We had the tire change, put the donut on. So I got to take it to the dealership to get the oil changed and get the the uh, tire fixed and put back on. And I live pretty far away from the store that I bought the car from, which is the store that I used to work at. And I'm going to bring it there. I'm not going to bring it to somebody else. But I'll tell you what, if they were 10 minutes down the road, I could come pick it up and then bring it back and make those repairs and then deliver it. I'd pay more for that. Yeah. 100% I'd pay more for that. Um, but I think also part of it goes to trust. Like I bought, I bought five cars from this place. I mean, I worked there. So, Take that part out of the equation. I bought five cars from this place. I'm going to trust a company that I've done business with a lot more than somebody fresh. So maybe I would buy a car using that method from a business that I previously yeah. have trust trusted than someone you know, someone out of the blue. Well, if I if I get to come back for a fourth episode, mm. um, I'll have to let you know my personal because of 
do oil change. And the local Toyota dealer here is, to me is offering, you know, free pickup, you know, and drop off for service. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to, I've not done that before. It's not something they offered before. It's not something I can ever really thought about before, but um, in the spirit of, you know, seeing how a dealer actually executes one of these things, uh, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, and do it and uh, get my oil change, you know, schedule my oil change online, let them come pick it up and uh, see how it goes. That's a, yeah. I saw a dealer group online. I can't remember who it was now. Um, It might've been Paragon Honda who, or was it Hoffman in Connecticut? It was one of the groups around this part of the country had a video put out by the fixed ops director, which was, here's how we check in your car when you come to us for service. And it was the, it was the service writer or the porter with putting the gloves on, putting the, the thing around the steering wheel, spraying the car down. And then they showed you, here's what we do when we're done with the car, bringing it out, cleaning off the door handles, cleaning this, cleaning that. Well, I, and I liked, I liked the reassurance of that video. In fact, I messaged the guy and said, hey, man, you want to come on my podcast and talk about it? Because like, you, like we said before, you, know, you can say you're doing it, but to see, oh, that's how they're doing it. They really are doing it, I think goes a long way. And so what I'm saying is, is you need to surveil that Toyota store, you know, have like have one of your kids up in the window taking pictures and secret video when they're dropping it off so we can see if they're yeah. doing it right. We'll put the little teddy bear nanny cam in the, the teddy car. Bear nanny see what cam. happens. <laughs> All right, Shane. Well, I appreciate the time. It's almost five o'clock, which is um, time to have a Modelo here in Connecticut. So definitely. So we got to end this. But I appreciate it. I think Sounds this was good. informative. I hope that the dealers and vendors found this uh, found this informative. And um, you know, the part about it being an ever changing world is uh, some of the stuff in three weeks might be a little bit outdated. But uh, we'll have to record another one when that happens. That's right. Just have new, you'll just have some more content to work with. And, you know, like I said at the, uh, at the beginning, you know, there's short-term disruptions right now. There's going to be new long-term realities and we're writing this playbook as we go. And we'll have, it's uh, going to be fun. We're all going to have ideas in the playbook for next time. That's the, that's hopefully one of the good things that's uh, coming out of the whole thing. That's for sure. All right. Shane Stender, managing director at Silverback Advertising. Thanks Shane. I appreciate it. Thanks Matt. All right, thanks for listening, everybody, to another edition of Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson. More episodes coming up, like, I don't know, much more frequently than before. Thank you for listening. Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson is brought to you by... Wait, this guy has sponsors? Oh, never mind. This sheet of paper's blank. No sponsors. That makes more sense. For updates, info, future episodes, and more, follow on Twitter, subscribe on YouTube, like on Facebook, and connect on Frackle. You guys made that last one up. That's not even a thing, Frackle. Come on.